And good morning. Welcome to this edition of Hennepin County Medical Center's Healthy Matters. As we mentioned earlier today, it's an open line show. That means your general health question. You drive the show. The listeners will uh, put uh, Dr. Hilden to work. Uh, it does kind of keep you on your toes. Uh, good morning, by it the does, way. Yeah, good morning, Easter, Danny. Right? Happy Easter to you and to everyone who's listening yeah. today. Yeah, these open line shows do keep me on my toes. And holiday morning, everybody's getting ready to go to church, making your egg bake or whatever it is you're doing. And we're here to talk about your health. I want to give our phone number and the text number because when we do an open line show, we get really busy. So if you do have a question that's important to you uh, about you or a loved one, call us or text us, 651-989-9226. We've cleared the line, so you can use, certainly use them. 651-989-9226, they're calling right now. Or uh, send Dr. Hilden your text, if that's easier, 81807. We will try to answer as many as we can. That's all we're going to do today this, is we're going to answer yep. your calls and your texts um, this hey, Easter Sunday. This Easter Sunday. Yeah. So I hope everybody's having a great, uh, well, it's early. Well, I hope yeah. you're going to have a great Easter day. If you're here in the upper Midwest listening to us live, uh, it's a beautiful sunny day. And uh, uh, if you're listening elsewhere, welcome to the show. You could be listening online from anywhere around the world. Maybe you're checking us out on the blog site, which has really taken off. We're getting thousands and thousands and thousands of people look at that every month. And it's myhealthymatters.org. This past week, I put up, uh, instead of a lot of writing, I did some videos. I, uh, if you listened to the show last week, you might remember that John Sweet was on with me, mm-hmm. and we talked about allergies. So since he's one of my better friends from med school, John and I literally sat next to each other in med school. I can harass him. you know. He owes me. So I went to his clinic, and I just got in an empty exam room, and I interviewed him on camera about some allergy topics. And um, it was funny because we we have a lot of outtakes, let's just say, the videotapes. I couldn't – I got into a laughing, giggling spell during these videos that John and I were making. They're just one minute long, one or two oh, minutes. Okay. So go to the blog site and look at the videos. There's only two of them, each about a minute or two long. I have more in the vault for future weeks. Um, and so on on myhealthymatters.org, you can see these videos of John and me. Uh, you can listen to podcasts of last week's show. Mm-hmm. You click it right there. Um, you can look at previous posts where I talk about peanut allergies, where I talk about seasonal allergies, and uh, it, it was really fun. I didn't put the outtakes, the blooper reel oh, I want to see of that. our video. No, it's just it's just me interviewing John, but for some reason I got the giggles. I'm looking at him in the <laughs> face, and I got the giggles. and So uh, it, was, it was kind of fun to do, but they're just um, short little videos. Check them out at myhealthymatters.org, and sign up uh, by email for the blog. Um, really, there are thousands of people who do this now, and it, I, we don't flood your in-basket with spam or anything like that. It's just um, you get a notice when I put a new post up. That's all it is. And so it's a handy way to stay in touch. Before we get to the lines, yeah. which we're going to do because uh, Hammer's over there. He's busy on the phones there. And I want to talk about our new North Loop clinic. It's it's kind of relevant to Dr. Sweet. So in the North Loop of Minneapolis, which is perhaps the hippest neighborhood in the world, um, if I do say so myself, we have opened up our newest clinic. It actually, it opens up tomorrow. Uh-huh. Tomorrow, April 17th. It's in the Tractor Works building in on uh, Washington Avenue at 800 Washington Avenue, just a few blocks down from Target Field, right around all the restaurants and apartments and lofts and bars, and, and it's a, just a great neighborhood. Um, 800 North Washington Avenue. You said and, it's pretty high tech. Oh, it's so cool. So, But you think, this is a building where they used to build tractors, literally okay. tractors. It must be 100 years old. Sure. So they have big concrete pillars in there, but the architects have done such a good job. Now you know what it looks like. It looks like a modern medical clinic, 
inside one of these old buildings. It's the coolest clinic. You're not going to find another one like it. It's very unique. And you're going to feel comfortable. You're going to feel at home there. The door is right off the street, so it's easy to get into. There's a pharmacy right there on site. You can get your medications right there. I'm talking 10 feet away from the reception desk. You can get your medications filled. And the pharmacy has over-the-counter supplies. Um, They're going to have primary care with Dr. Jane Hess, who I'm going to have on the show in the future. They're going to have dermatology, both medical and cosmetic dermatology, and they're going to have allergy with Dr. Sweet. There's going to be women's health. If you need a primary doctor and you live anywhere near the North Loop Clinic of downtown Minneapolis, maybe you work downtown, you got to try out the North Loop Clinic. Um, it's, uh, it's really cool. But one last thing about the North Loop Clinic, we're doing an open house. Maybe you're not sure you want to check it out. Well, on Wednesday, April 26th, There will be an open house at the North Loop Clinic from 4 to 7 p.m. We're going to have refreshments. That big 8-foot Bernie the Rescue Dog is going to be there, so bring your kids, bring your grandkids. There's going to be some free stuff. I will be there. I'd love to meet you. I'd love to show you around the clinic. I'd love to introduce you to our dermatologist or my friend Dr. Sweet or any of the other doctors. That is April 26th, 4 to 7 p.m. at the brand spanking new North North Loop Clinic and Pharmacy. To need the area town. Oh, it's so cool. I wish I could be a patient down there. (laughs) That's where I want to go. It's it's super cool. And not only that, it's more than a building though. That's the it's gonna be um it's so convenient. The people and the staff are as good as they come. Many of you know Dr. Sweet from the show, but maybe maybe you remember our dermatologist from last year. I'm gonna have them on the show too. Dr. Jenny Liu and Aaron Luxenberg are gonna be on the show in just a few weeks. Okay. And we're gonna talk about the services they'll provide there as well. So That's dermatology, excellent. primary care, and, and allergy all at the new North Loop Clinic. Our phone number for your questions. By the way, it's an open line show today, so call now, 651-989-9226, or send a text, 81807. Grab a text there before okay. we go to the phone. All right, we're lining up the phone calls, but here we go. All right, let's see. Uh, thanks for the great show. Well, thank you, texter. How do you discern between dementia and depression, especially in our general population? Wishing you both a happy and blessed Easter. Well, happy Easter to you as well, whoever is sending this uh, text message in. Oh, it didn't say in the general population. It said in the geriatric population. So depression and uh, dementia. Good question. It is a great question. Dementia is a progressive loss of cognitive function. That's kind of a generic medical term. But in other words, it, it... it over the years you little by little by little lose lose your ability to do the higher level cognitive functions such as memory. Uh, that's the first thing that go your ability to plan to function. That's um, the most common type of dementia is Alzheimer's disease. Um, but there are other types like Lewy body dementia, vascular dementia, and things like that. The thing about dementia is that it's progressive and goes over a long period of time. Uh, that's to distinguish it from delirium, which is uh, waxing and waning. You can be delirious one hour and fine the next day. Um, that's a different situation. Dementia is is progressive and long-term. Uh, the other one is depression. Depression is a mood disorder. And in other words, your mood is uh, not what it – it's down or blue or um, – and that goes hand-in-hand hand with depression, but they are two dis- – or with dementia, but they're two distinct diagnoses. Sometimes – People with with dementia also have a depressed mood, but not always. And conversely, uh, a person who has a depressed mood does not have a loss of cognitive functioning. 
They're very different there. You might be depressed. You might be severely depressed, but your cognitive functioning, your thinking is not disturbed. They often go hand in hand. I do recommend seeing a geriatrician, however, because they are extremely common in the older adult population. Both dementia and depression are extremely common, and many people have both. So I would see a geriatrician like Dr. Kersner and his group at HCMC um, uh, or wherever you go. It's a great idea to see a geriatrician. All right, let's go to the phones. There's a line open if you'd like to use it, 651-989-9226. Text is 81807. Let's talk to Liz uh, in Minnetonka. Liz, uh, you're on CCO. Good morning. Good morning. Well, I have a question about how common or uncommon it is to be diagnosed with shingles but have few, if any, body lesions. None, Liz? I mean, are there... one. Just one little chicken pox-like looking thing? One in the middle of my back, and then the pain radiates around my left side and rib cage, and my my uh, x-rays of my lungs are absolutely clear. There's no fever, but the pain is excruciating. Yeah, does it go at all to the right side of your body? It's all on my right side. Oh, it's all in your... Does it go to the left? Does no. it go... It, it doesn't cross the midline, either no, in front doesn't. or back. It It could well be shingles... Although, Liz, it's not all that common to have just one lesion, although you, it could, you could have that. Um, either they haven't – more of them haven't come yet. Or, yet. or Or maybe, maybe that's all you're going to get. <laughs> Which I would be very thankful Wouldn't that be for. nice? Yeah. When did, when did it start, Liz? Um, the pain started on Tuesday morning. And then the lesion came? And the lesion was visible on Thursday. Yeah, it it actually does sound consistent with shingles. The often we get a burning um, neuropathic pain, almost like a sunburn on the skin when you can't see a darn thing. You just can't see anything. And then a few days later, the lesions start, and they're usually well, they're not usually. They look like chicken pox, but they're always in the same spot. They're in one area of your skin, what we call dermatomes. So if it does not cross the midline, it should not go from left to right or right to left, either in the front or the back of your body. And if they look like a chicken pox lesion, a little vesicle, a little crusty thing, even if there's just one of them, I think that's probably the right diagnosis. It usually starts with an invisible pain, then the lesions, then the lesions crust over, then they go away. And in some people, the pain persists even after the lesions go away. That's a condition called post-herpetic neuralgia. And you might need some medications for that. So best wishes to you, Liz. I think it sounds probably right, your diagnosis. You might still be in, in line for getting more of the lesions, or maybe you're just going to get a kind of a mild case. As we head to the break, could Liz ever down the road get a, a shingle shot? She could. You could get a shot. Um, it's indicated for people over 60, although some insurance will pay for it over 50. But, yes, you could get it in the future to lessen the severity or the chance that you could get it. Again, okay. shingles is living inside you. It's not a new infection. It came from a reactivation of chickenpox that you had before. Sounds like that's what Liz might yeah. have. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's take a quick break here. We have more show to come. If you do have a general health question for the doctor, 651-989-9226. If it's easier, send us a text. We've got uh, some of those already to go. But uh, 81807 for your text questions for Dr. Hilden. 
Right now on Health CCOs, we head to this break on this Easter Sunday morning. Skies are fair. It's 48 degrees. And welcome back to this portion of Hennepin County Medical Center's Healthy Matters, where it's uh, doing an open line show today, your general health questions on this Easter Sunday morning. I see one line is open if you'd like to fill it to talk to Dr. Hilden. 651-989-9226. Uh, send a text if you like, 81807. John in Bloomington is on CCO. Go ahead, John. The doctor's listening. Hi, good morning. Uh, sepsis, what is it? How do you get it? How do you prevent from getting it? Hey, John, good question. Sepsis is a severe infection of, of um, when you ha- it usually requires hospitalization, but you need to have an infection somewhere that has led to um, what we call hemodynamic instability. Um, in other words, the most common is a blood infection. It can start from the urine. It can start from the lungs like pneumonia. It can uh, start in any other location. But when it gets into your bloodstream, you have a condition called bacteremia. If that bacteremia, bacteria in the bloodstream, leads to a severe infection in your body, your body gets into this cycle of an inflammatory response that we call sepsis. And sepsis is life-threatening. In fact, it would be one of the most common causes of death in hospitals. That being the case, it's treatable. It's treatable. Um, but sepsis requires usually care in a hospital, almost um, often care in the ICU. Um, it's a condition your heart rate goes too fast, your blood pressure gets too low, you have a temperature, you need loads of fluids, liter after liter after liter, sometimes gallons of fluids to put in your body, and then, of course, you need antibiotics. So it's a severe infectious situation. People survive all the time, but it's also uh, every day they, people survive. But it is a serious infection that needs some care inside of a hospital. All right, very good. Uh, six five one nine eight. Thank you uh, very much, uh, John. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Bonnie is calling from Northeast Minneapolis. Good morning, Bonnie. Good morning. I rushed myself over to the urgency center a couple weeks ago with pain on my right side and back chest, and they diagnosed it as gallstones. However, I still had to go through a stress echo test, and the cardiologist thought that I might have a heart that is not moving so fast on one side. So he wanted to immediately do an angio, but I opted for a CT, which I'm having tomorrow. Uh-huh. Was that an okay option? I didn't want to do the invasive first. Sure. It, it is, Bonnie. There is no blockage. Yeah, it is an okay option um, in your case. Um, typically, so first of all, it's a good idea to look into it. Um, gallbladder problems often are mistaken for heart problems and vice versa. Um, it, you, you think, well, what the heck is that? But they, they can often be mistaken, particularly in women. So I'm glad you had it looked at. If you have a stress test that is normal, you don't need anything if your stress test was normal. But if it was abnormal or if there was some concern that it could be a blocked artery to your heart, then you need to do the next step. We do an angiogram literally to look at the plumbing of your heart. And the traditional angiogram puts a catheter in your leg and they fish it up into your heart and they squirt dye into your heart. It's very, very safe and very informative, but nothing's 100% safe. There's a risk to everything. And they can look to see if they're blocked arteries. The CT angiogram that you're getting is a modern update on that that has a, a role. It's a more limited role. But it does have a role. We're particularly interested in doing the CT angiogram, like what you're getting, um, in people who, for whom we have a relatively low suspicion that it's your heart in the first place. Why is that? Well, it's non-invasive. That's great. But the problem is if they find a blockage, 
then they the CT didn't help you any. Then you have to go and get the real angiogram anyway because they can't do anything about it. All they can do is say, yeah, you have a blockage. There you go. Whereas in the real angiogram, if they find a blockage, they can fix it right away. So why do I say people that were not worried? Well, if you, we didn't really think you had it. In other words, the likelihood of us having to do something is pretty low. The CT is a good way to go. And then we can save you the invasive part. But if your doctor's really, really worried, they're thinking, wow, you probably have a blockage in your, in your heart. You should get the real angiogram because they both involve radiation. Both the CT and the real angiogram involve radiation. And if you have to get them both, you're getting double. You're getting radiation twice. So I think in your case, it is a viable. I don't know your medical history or anything like that. But it sounds like if they even offered the CT, that they maybe aren't real worried about your about your case, probably not super duper worried about it, and so this would be a reassuring test, and it sounds reasonable to me, Bonnie. Right. Now that's just knowing very little. Right. Of course, everything I ever say on the show, you have to take. There is the caveat that I can't make a specific diagnosis. Um, I, I can't ever do that, but it sounds reasonable to me, Bonnie. All right, tell you what, before we break, let's get Gary in Minneapolis uh, on the show. Gary, the doctor's listening. Hello, Gary. Well, I think Gary is. Uh, well, I got other things to talk. Hunting about. for Easter egg. <laughs> that sounds. <laughs> We've got fun. a lot of text a lot messages. of text messages here. Um, this person said uh, on the TV um, they were there was aired an interesting show called Hearing Loss Matters. It told of brain shrinkage with hearing loss as the brain overworks to understand voices, and then dementia often results. Any thoughts on the correlation? That's from Joyce. Thanks for your text, Joyce. Um, I, I'm not knowledgeable enough about the connection with hearing loss and dementia, but I'm a. I would absolutely not be surprised at all, because uh, uh, at least if they're not confused. If you have hearing loss, I don't know about the brain shrinking leading to dementia. It sounds like a reasonable thought, um, but I can't say much more on that. But I do know that hearing loss in older people is often confused for dementia. You think grandpa is not really with the program, and frankly, he just can't hear oh, you. Okay, I'd say um, getting, getting a hearing exam is really important, really, really important for older adults, and often it can be life-changing. Whether or not it actually leads to dementia – I guess I don't know about that, but it's an interesting idea. Here's another one. Do we have time? Yeah. There are lots of texts here. I'll do some more. How do you know when grief turns into depression? Ooh, that's a really good question um, because it's subtle. Grief is normal. Bereavement is normal. Depression is a medical illness. And so there is a distinction there. And um, I don't know the exact times, but I think the the diagnostic criteria are if grief lasts a longer time than normal. I would imagine it's many months. Let's say you've lost, the de- you, you've lost a loved one through death and you're still not functioning and you're so, your mood is so down and you're so bereaved that months, six months later, nine months later, you're still in that situation. That might be uh, maladaptive grief or even turning into depression. But they are two very different things. Depression happens in the absence of a, of, of a cause. It's a pathologic medical problem, whereas grief is a normal process of being human. I tell you what, we have another half hour of the show to go, so if you did not get your question answered this first half hour, give us a call. We'll put you on hold. And as I said, another half hour to go. 651-989-9226 or send a text 81807. And in the meantime, you got a few minutes after you listen to CBS News. You can check out myhealthymatters.org. That's my blog post. It's just a website. People want to know what's a blog. It's just a website where I connect with you. You can listen to old shows. You can listen to podcasts. 
You can check out the latest post about allergies. And in the next several weeks, I'm going to be doing many posts about some new updated medical information. So that's myhealthymatters.org. Check it out today. Let's mention that again uh, next half hour. We'll do that. that. We'll do that. We'll head through this break. More show to come. 651-989-9226 or send us a text. 81807. 48 degrees on CCO. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. And welcome back to this portion of Hennepin County Medical Center's uh, Healthy Matters. It is an open line show today for just joining us. Uh, That means you drive the show, your general health questions for Dr. David Hilden, your host. And I see, Dr. Hilden, one line is open. Looks like about one line. Happy Easter, by the way. Happy it's Easter. Easter Sunday morning, a Happy beautiful Easter one. Happy Easter to you. Are you, you have, uh, going to have a good day? It's a beautiful day oh, here it is. in Twin yeah, Cities, isn't it's, it? It's going to be great for everybody. A little windy, but it's going to be sunny and and maybe almost 70. God, I love so, that. I yeah. hope everybody, um, for all of our uh, listeners uh, for whom Easter is a big holiday for you, all of our Christian friends, thank you uh, for listening to the show. I hope you have a great, happy Easter today. Yeah. And that you don't eat too much candy. <laughs> 651-989-9226. is one line open if you'd like to fill it. We'll pick up on those phone calls coming up. And I know you have some text messages yep. coming up too. I'm going to do some texts. I'm going to roar through a few of those. I have three housekeeping th- types of things. First of all, the first thing on my housekeeping list is the North Loop Clinic opens tomorrow in downtown Minneapolis in the beautiful North Loop Clinic in the Tractor Works building. The HCMC North Loop Clinic and Pharmacy is located at 800 Washington Avenue North. It's a gorgeous center. Um, we've got dermatology, general health with primary care and allergy, as well as women's health, and a full pharmacy is right on site. Come see me. I'll be there Wednesday, April 26th is the open house from 4 to 7 p.m. There'll be free stuff, refreshments, Bernie the Rescue Dog, so you might want to bring your kids. And did I say free stuff. I'd love to meet you Wednesday, uh, the 26th at 4 to 7 p.m. Number two on the housekeeping list is myhealthymatters.org. We're up and running in our second year on the blog site. I have a new post about uh, peanut allergies and pet allergies. And, uh, and instead of a lot of words on this post, I have some videos. So you might want to check me out with my good friend, Dr. John Sweet, where we do just short one to two minute audio video uh, um, looks at peanut allergies and about pet allergies. And the, the punchline is nobody ever gets rid of their pet if you have allergies. People <laughs> always right. get rid of their allergist first, John says. <laughs> Number three, follow me on Twitter, Dr. David Hilden. You can even send me a question to this show right now. I'll answer it on the air. Maybe just put the hashtag Healthy Matters and I will answer your tweets. Okay, that's enough housekeeping. Let's go to some text messages. Sure. How about that? All right, here's one that says... Um, I have cerebral palsy. I fell and broke my hip from osteoporosis with a score of minus 3.8. I broke it months ago. My ADLs, activities of daily living, never turned, except for my fear of falling prevents me from walking on my forearm crutches or platform walker unless somebody's holding a safety belt. I'm a longtime listener in Los Angeles. Well, thank you for listening in L.A. How about um, that? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to be able to help you out too much um, over the radio other than to say that people – um, who who um, aren't able to normally put weight on all of their bones, like someone who uses a walker or a, um, like you might or crutches, um, people with cerebral palsy. Um, calcium and vitamin D are so important to keep your bones strong. And also, if your score is minus 3.8, you probably should be on a medication, probably one of the bisphosphonates like Fosamax. But beyond that, your physical therapist, your occupational therapist can help you out to get strong again and help you out with your falling concerns. Um, Here's another one from the text line. 
I have general anxiety disorder and panic attacks. They started again. My doctors tried numerous drugs. Wellbutrin is the latest. I suffered more from the side effects than than any help from the pill. I've been having shortness of breath and all over aches. I've had the attacks for about 10 years off and on. I'm really getting tired. I think depression also. I'm just tired of not knowing. So that's a good text that that probably a lot of people can relate to, some general anxiety disorder for which the pills are only mildly helpful. So I would tell this person, you've had this for 10 years. First of all, do get your mood looked at to see if you have depression and get on an antidepressant or some other um, treatments. But maybe if your anxiety is going on for 10 years and you've been on all these pills and they're not working, maybe the answer isn't in a pill bottle. I mean, maybe uh, therapy would be a really good idea for you. Maybe um, cognitive behavioral therapy or DBT or some other kind of therapy I think is a really good idea or in combination, talk therapy plus a medication. That's what I'd really recommend for this texture. Okay, let's go do, back. Should we go to the phones? Yeah, There's let's a lot do of that. Uh, James in Andover is next. Good morning, James. Yes, uh, my problem is, is like I, when I'm washing dishes or something, standing, I get my 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 legs sort of give out, and I have to go sit down, and then it goes away. The uh, other seniors say it's uh, so the ceramic nerve, and they say if you raise your leg, and then it might not be so bad. Or if I'm in a department store and I'm doing a lot of standing away around waiting for my daughter to do uh, shopping and stuff, I. It, Pain comes over, and then I have to go sit down. Then it goes away. Then I yeah. can walk around and stuff. But if I do a lot of a lot of standing or a, a lot of walking, that pain comes, and, and I don't know. And then I have to. I, the, the, the cure is to sit down, and then it goes away. And then, but it'll come back again. I don't. And I, they say it's a ceramic. Yeah, and I don't know what to do. Well, James, I think good questions. I think you're not alone. A lot of people get that. Um, it's probably a nerve problem from your lower back, a nerve getting pinched. That sciatic nerve that goes down your legs um, can get just um, pinched. It's a huge nerve, probably the size of your pinky finger. That's a huge nerve. Um, so most nerves are like the size of dental floss. This one's huge. And um, and it's a collection of nerves that come out of your spine. So all it has to do is get pinched a little bit, and then your legs go numb. Um, suggestions. Um, the, the ultimate select solution is to get an MRI of your spine and surgery and all that, but I don't, I'm not trying to suggest that. That's way, way, way down the road. What I would suggest is a physical therapist. I would suggest during your daily activities that you don't just stand in one place much. Take many sit-down breaks for that. Uh, uh, I would also suggest some then therapy, like a physical therapist, um, maybe pool therapy, maybe yoga, uh, maybe acupuncture. All those things could help. They're safe and they're um, effective for many people. And then just be active. Walk around with plenty of breaks. Walk and sit. Walk and sit. Don't just stand in one place for a while and just stay off your feet a little bit. I think that's probably the way to go. It does sound like a nerve. Um, the second thing it could be is a vascular problem, in like blocked arteries. Yours does not sound like that at all. I think yours sounds more like a nerve problem. All right. Uh, Gary in Minneapolis is next on CCO. Go ahead, Gary. Hello, doctor. Uh, hey. Anyway, my problem here, and it's just come to, to light in the last week, uh, becoming more of a problem. I'm 77. I've suffered with psoriasis for years and years and years. I've used Dovonex cream, which is a steroid. And that steroid, I guess, has thinned all the skin on my lower uh, right leg. Well, there was a little scab in it. My first incidence uh, was five years ago where I picked that scab, and then the blood just spurted out, which uh, indicated an artery. 
And then it, uh, it hasn't happened since then. And then oh, this past two weeks, I did it again and again. It was the artery pumping the blood. Well, last night, and my, my wife's a retired nurse, and she put direct pressure in a bandage and whatnot and eventually clotted. Well, of course, I was diagnosed with AFib about two years ago, and they've got me on Xarelto, so it's a blood thinner. And <clears throat> last night, it I, I just rubbed my hand over the leg. It, it was a bit itchy. And again, uh, this time it wasn't spurting out. It was like a, maybe a vein. Is there anything they can do, uh, you know, with thin skin like that to, you know, to cauterize it or whatever? Yep, you you are a good storyteller, Gary. You really laid out the the picture yeah. there. Um, first of all, I'm still not sure it ever was an artery. It's difficult. Difficult. In fact, I don't know how one does it where you would just pick a thing and it would be an artery. It could be an arteriole, which is just the teeniest little um, uh, arterial things under the skin, but the they're just it's all you just can't pick your way through an artery. That just does, probably what happened is that it was a vein that was pumping out blood pretty well, but because you're on blood thinners, it was coming out pretty good. Um, and it could have been a little bitty, bitty, bitty artery. I guess that is that is the case. You are correct. The, the steroid creams for which you had to take. Uh, for for your psoriasis, do thin out the skin. If you get and if you're on blood thinners, you got two problems. It's like li- it's literally eating through your skin, and the very superficial veins are right underneath, and they're just they're bleeding. You can get what's called sclerotherapy. You can go to a vein clinic where they actually inject a little thing, and they just make that stop. So if you have superficial veins that you can see. Like varic- even if they're not like thrombosed, just like varicose veins or little teeny veins that are starting to pop up, they can fix those really easily now. In the past, we had nothing, but uh, they can do that um, now. Um, it is uh, there's nothing to be done to reverse the the atrophy or the thinning of the skin for the plates where you needed the steroid cream. That part, it's just you use the lowest dose of steroid mm-hmm. cream for the lowest, um, the shortest period of time possible, and I'm sure you're. Your rheumatologist or your dermatologist has told you that. But I would go to a vein clinic. They can actually help this thing out. I don't think it means you need to stop your Xarelto. I'd keep that going. That's a, I, I think you're, you're okay with that. That's important to do to, to prevent uh, or to reduce your risk of stroke with your AFib. So I would stay on the Xarelto, but I would check out a vein clinic and see if they can't do something about it. As we head to this quick break and we have more show to come, a reminder that next Sunday as well, if you did not uh, get in, because I know we always get busy with this open line show, we're going to do another one next Sunday morning. So if you uh, miss getting in, either by phone or text, we'll try to help you out again next Sunday morning. So stand by for that in the Twin Cities. Skies are fair on this Easter Sunday morning. Temperature now has moved to 50 and we're heading later to the upper 60s. To this portion of Hennepin County Medical Center's Healthy Matters, it's an open line show today. We have a lot of callers and a lot of texters, doctor. You want Here to I go. Happy Easter, everybody. A couple, uh, there's more texts than I'm going to get to. Sorry, I'll do my best on a couple more here. My wife suffers from daily migraine-like headaches and has been on at least two prescription drugs for them for many years. Is there an alternative Alternative to using these drugs, such as a neurologist. Yes, see a neurologist. If you have recurrent migraines, a neurologist is your person. They have many things they can do to put you on a daily medication to try to prevent future migraines. If you're getting several a week and you've been on drugs for years, um, see a neurologist. Great idea. 
Um, here's another text that says, discuss safety concerns about Pepsis or Prilosec for acid reflux. Those are really pretty safe. They're very different. Pepsid works differently. It's a histamine blocker, and Prilosec is a different kind of acid pump blocker. Um, and they both are probably fine. Pepsid particularly, you can probably do that darn near indefinitely. Prilosec, you're supposed to just do it for as long as you need it. But many people need it like a long time, and they do just fine. It's better than having chronic reflux. Um, not to say it doesn't have any side effects, but it's if you have chronic reflux disease, the downsides of that are probably worse. Just take your Prilosec. All right, back to the phones we go. Bill is calling from uh, Blaine. Bill, you're on with the doctor. Hey, good morning. Happy Easter, guys. Thank and you. To you. Thank you. Hey, uh, I had diverticulitis several times a few years back and ended up having surgery and taking a large chunk of my colon out. And shortly after I recovered from that, I started having terrible stomach problems and had them for three years straight. Um, went to uh, several doctors and they couldn't figure out what the problem was. Several specialists, pretty frustrating. Ended up going to a dietetic technician and uh, she was going to put me on a diet, but first wanted me to try probiotics. I got on probiotics, and my symptoms are completely gone. It was pretty miraculous. Uh, so I had a couple of questions. Number one, I'm curious to know why, um, if that's something that's not doctors don't normally get into. And number two, I'm wondering if this means that I stay on probiotics the rest of my life, or does it get a healthy balance in my stomach and I can with that. Thank you. Cool questions. Bill, the reason we don't talk about it so much in doctors is that there's no evidence that it does any good. That being said, that being said, I think I know loads of people for whom it does good and it makes a lot of sense. So if your doctor is just so afraid to try new things um, that have almost no downside, that's probably why. And I'm not among those doctors. I would say that, yes, I know that there's not like tons of multi-million dollar random trials that show that probiotics work, but they, they probably don't hurt. And there's a whole bunch of stuff that we don't know. Um, and so uh, we have to recognize that we don't know everything. And so if it works for you, do it. That's my take on that. It might... Um, uh, there's good there's good bacteria and good uh, microflora that live in your intestine. 90% of our stool is bacteria, after all. We want it to be the good kind. So it makes some sense, and if it worked for you, have at it. Just know that there's not medical proof that it works. That's kind of a weird distinction. So um, do you need it forever? I don't know. I have no idea. I don't think it's going to hurt. Uh, so I would do it and you know, maybe do it for a while, and then when you're stable, try stopping them and see if your symptoms come back. That's what yeah. I'd do. All right. Good luck, Bill. Uh, Debbie is calling from Maple Grove. Debbie, you're on CCO. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Mm -hmm. I'm calling for my mother, who is going to be 87 this summer and has been very healthy and active. But during the past few months, she's developed shortness of breath. And the test that the doctor has prescribed is called a methacholine challenge test. She's wondering if it will be dangerous since she already is short of breath. And she's wondering if the very low dose of blood pressure medication that she had been put on is causing that uh, shortness of breath. Thank great, you. Great questions, Debbie. No, the blood pressure medicines are probably not causing her shortness of breath. The methacholine challenge is to look for reactive airways. It's a, it's a test of your lungs, and it, it's a short-acting thing, and I think that also is a safe thing to do. Um, the, the causes of shortness of breath in an 85-, 6-, 7-year-old are many. Um, it could be. Um, lung disease, airway disease, that's what they're looking for. Um, it could be your heart or her heart. Um, that's entirely possible. 
It could be um, anemia. It could be uh, just a whole bunch of other things. And there's about 10 or 15 different things in the lungs, and then there's 10 or 15 different things in the heart and that could cause it. So even just to say it's the lungs or the heart is too general. There are lots of specific things. Heart failure, for instance, um, has the hallmark symptom of shortness of breath. Uh, emphysema has shortness of breath, asthma, shortness of breath. So, you know, anemia, people get short of breath. So, so I'm glad she's having it looked at. Um, the simple things to do are chest x-rays and blood tests. I hope she's had those. The lung tests are a really good idea. And I would also have her heart uh, looked into as well. If she has very high blood pressure, that, that can lead to heart problems, which in turn can lead to shortness of breath. But is the heart, the blood pressure medicines, themselves the problem? Not usually. Not usually. Nor is high blood pressure usually all by itself a cause of shortness of breath. But rather, if that high blood pressure is uncontrolled and been going on a long time, it can lead to heart problems. I think it's a good thing she's doing all these things. Uh, I don't see any real problems with anything you suggested. I think it's the it's the right things to do, but just make sure she continues to look for what's uh, what's causing it. I think we have time for a text or two before we close out the show. We have a little more time here. Okay, let me see if I can find another one here. There was um, here we go. Six weeks ago, my blood pressure jumped from one twenty over sixties to one forty over seventies, and it stayed high. Is this something to be concerned about? Well, concern is one thing. I wouldn't be overly concerned about it, but no, it's not normal. And so, yeah, so yes, you should have it looked at. If your blood pressure is routinely in the 140s, that's considered hypertension or high blood pressure. And um, yes, you should have that treated. I wouldn't get, it's not an emergent problem. It's going to be a problem for you 5, 10, 15 years from now. But yes, um, you should uh, have that looked at. Um, here is one. Um, I have seen several medical professionals about an extensive itchy skin rash that I have. It's the worst on my hands. That's where it started, but, in the, uh, but it has spread to my entire body. It's been diagnosed as eczema, but I doubt it. I doubt that diagnosis. It's bumpy and red. Seems worse at night. I don't want to take oral steroids and mess up my results. I'm going to see a dermatologist. That would be my first reaction, to see a dermatologist. It's very difficult for me to say, but it does sound kind of eczema, um, which is a, another word is dermatitis. It can be caused from... Uh, um, irritants from allergies from contact um to other things but it sounds like eczema from the text but it's very hard to say but uh i wouldn't take oral steroids yet i would simply go see your dermatologist real soon and see get a solid diagnosis i know we're almost out of time and i urge folks uh, to uh to mark in their calendar the 26th of this month it's a wednesday wednesday april 26 4 to 7 p.m come to our new north loop clinic which opens tomorrow but on wednesday the 26th of this month 4 to 7 central time 800 North Washington Avenue, the Hennepin North Loop Clinic and Pharmacy is opening up all treats. There's uh, free stuff. Bring the kids. I'll be there. I'd like to show you around to the slickest new clinic in town. And if you want to get an appointment at it with either Dr. Sweet in Allergy, any of our dermatologists, Dr. Hess or her team in primary care, it's 612-873-MYMD, 612-873-6963. Always, I recommend going to MyHealthyMatters.org. That's the blog site associated with this show. That's our website, MyHealthyMatters.org. Check us out. You can get more information about past shows, future shows, the clinics, everything you want to stay connected, MyHealthyMatters.org. Speaking of future shows, another open line show is next week. So we'll test, test your knowledge again next week. Doctor. We'll see everybody next week. Happy Easter to you and your family, to all of our listeners.